0: Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 7, titled The Abducted. Uh, Yet another very, very, very good episode that heralds the end, the beginning of the end of this Olivia Dunham's switched arc that we've been talking about with such enthusiasm over uh, the last week and a half. Uh, And of course... This is an episode taking place in the alternate universe, which means we are starting, before we get into the general plot of this episode, we are going to do another installment of Things That Are Different! (laughs) Such a stupid intro. Uh, so, there's actually a lot of ...differences in that alternate universe... ...that get called attention to in this episode. Uh, First off, and kind of the genesis for this entire... ...plotline. So apparently, in this universe... ...every single child kidnapping... ...is considered a possible fringe event. And it gets assigned to fringe division. Which, if you ask me... ...logistically speaking is kind of stupid... But, you know, it makes sense in that world. I could see how Walternet would push that through uh, and make that a thing, considering he is in charge of Fringe Division. It it just, like, I'm not saying that that plot point doesn't make sense in the world and is bad or anything. I'm just saying, like, logistically speaking, Charlie Francis was kind of right. Charlie had that whole bit thing where he was like, this is so stupid. Like, these are tragic, but, like... This is a waste of time for a fringe division, uh, for fringe division to do. It's a waste of manpower, uh, and he's ultimately laughed off. But I'm going to be honest: Charlie Francis was kind of right. <laughs> Charlie Francis was kind of right in that logistically, this is stupid. But it again makes sense in that world that that would be a policy that Walternet would push through. Uh, also, on more of a personal note, Broyles. We learn a lot more about the alternate broils in this episode, and, uh, bit of a good news, bad news situation. kind mm, kinda, kinda up in the air, a little bit in a lot of ways. The good news is that alternate Broyles is still married. Good for him. Good, good job, alternate Broyles. not... Ruining your marriage like our broils did. Great for you. How wonderful. The bad news is his son got kidnapped by uh, a serial child abductor, uh, who then drained him of uh, pituitary glands and caused, like, uh, organ tissue degradation and a uh, bunch of other crap, and basically made it so that he's pretty much guaranteed to not live to his 18th birthday. So, yeah. There's that. <laughs> uh Honestly, it's a toss up over uh, over whose life is better between the two broils is quite honestly. It's ultimately a bit of a toss up. Uh also, Uh, FBI, no existy in this world. Uh, we haven't really touched upon the FBI at all, but apparently in this universe, uh, they ceased to exist a decade ago. Now, I will say a lot of people are very, very quick to point out a plot hole that, uh, we saw people in FBI jackets in, uh, the 19th episode of season one when Olivia first got glimpses of the other side. Uh... I have thought about this quite a lot, and I, th- it, it definitely, so, here's the thing. Those early cortexafan glimpses, it was very clear that she didn't actually, like, fully travel. Like, cortexafan is weird, and it's very hard to explain, but in some way, she kind of was both in and out of both universes, as you kind of see with the, like, two charred uh, victims instead of one, but she's still talking to R. Peter and R. Walter and R. Broyles and all of that uh, when she goes over and talks to alternate Charlie, she does pick up a file clearly, it's just not the alternate one, like, when it flashes back to our side it's the original uh, our own file deal. It's the original normal person, only one chart victim file. Uh, and, you know, there are the interruptions where she's like, wait a minute. Uh, what are you talking about? This isn't how it is. And then like the real, that person, the real broils will show up behind her and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Uh, and then alternate royals will just disappear. So she's, for those instances, she isn't, traveling so much as she's sort of glimpsing and sort of like half exists on one side and half exists on another. And because she's just getting glimpses, it makes sense to me that certain blanks would be filled in not to exact detail but to a close enough that like her brain kind of filled in like certain blanks with our side stuff like it was sort of this mushy middle uh I can under uh, I, I can see that being the thing I can see that being the reason why you see FBI jackets instead of fringe division even though FBI existed for almost a decade at that point Uh, Or FBI ceased to exist almost a decade before that point. I can see that being a logical explanation for why uh, it wasn't, strictly speaking, no FBI, yes, fringe division. Also, I mean, like, look, Cortexa fans magic, (laughs) let's be honest with ourselves. It's a really great science fiction concept, but the way it's used in this show and this isn't anything against the show or anything plenty of science fiction comes off as magic because the writers need it to do a certain thing this is not exclusive to fringe science fiction is filled with that uh there is very few <laughs> there are very few purely scientific science fiction projects that truly are everything's plausible, everything's rooted in reality, nothing feels like magic at all. There's very few truly scientific, 100% science fiction stories out there. Uh, but let's be honest with ourselves, fans kind of magic in this world, <laughs> so it can do whatever the hell it wants to. Like, it can do whatever the hell the writers need it to in the moment. <laughs> and they do a great job of ex- disguising the fact that it's fairly clearly what the writers need in that moment. They do a very very good job of disguising that they very clearly are just like uh okay, how do we get this accomplished? Uh let's just say cortexa fan. Like they do a very good job of disguising that because the writers on this show are just that good. But it's very clearly okay, what do we need cortexa fan to do? Okay, we'll just uh like it's uh, it's gobbledygook. Very well done gobbledygook. But goggly goop, nonetheless, uh, Fringe is still one of the greatest shows of all time. Let me just make that very, very clear. None of this is anything against Fringe. Again, this is not exclusive to Fringe. Like, there is far more science fiction than not that has certain concepts go full-blown magic. It's just... Uh Let's call spade a spade. (laughs) I I gotta, as much as I love this show, as much as it's one of my favorite shows of all time, as much as I think this is one of the greatest shows ever made, I gotta call it like I seize it. Like, (laughs) you could be as good of a writer and disguise it all you want, but there's a very clear intent of just, yeah, let's just do whatever the hell we need it to. Uh, But yeah, the point is, I can definitely see that being like a You filled in the blanks with stuff familiar to you because you weren't entirely on that side or entirely on this side. Like, I could totally see that being an explanation. Anyway, the FBI doesn't exist in this universe anymore. That's the point of this very, very long, uh, very, very pointless tangent. (laughs) Getting into the weeds on what's a plot hole and what could be described... Well enough through the cortex fan. Remember, cortex fan, more than anything else, is a drug about uh, affecting perception, so take that for what you will. Uh, But yeah, FBI no existy. Uh, I did, by the way, write exact words in my notes. FBI no existy. (laughs) (laughs) That's exact wording in my notes, so shows you how professional this podcast is. Uh, some less uh, less big things. Some things I'm going to get less into the weeds about. Uh, Red Vines apparently only just now got invented in that universe. And I should say, by just now, I mean 2010. This is when it aired. I assume that's when it took place. Uh, so Red Vines only just existed in 2010. Uh, which, uh, they existed for much longer on this side. When were Red Vines invented? Hold on. Red... Vines. I'm on Wikipedia. Red Vines were invented in... Okay. Uh, Red Vines' original Red Twists are also sometimes referred to as Red Licorice, despite containing no licorice. The original Red Vines were raspberry-flavored, but in 1952, with a slight formula change, the Red Vines' original Red Twist flavor was introduced. Uh, So... For all intents and purposes, 1952. And when were Twizzlers invented? I think red vines came first and then Twizzlers happened. By the way, Twizzlers, sp- superior to red vines in every way. Like, I have uh Oh, wow! Okay, Twizzlers predate red vines by a lot! Wow! That... That shocks me. That really, really shocks me. Anyway, point is, red vines mm, only just now got invented in that world. I mean, look, you say you're technologically advanced, and yeah, you do a cool, a bunch of cool sci fi shit, but how much more advanced than us can you be, really, if you only just now figured out red vines? Ugh. Also, it's very, it's never confirmed, but it's very heavily implied that. On the other side, Ronald Reagan starred in Casablanca. I don't know why that disturbs me so much, but it does. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I find that ominous, but I do. <laughs> Ronald Reagan starring in Casablanca—something about that just feels wrong. Uh, it's very heavily implied uh, when. We flash back to our side and Peter and the alternate Olivia are watching Casablanca and she's like, oh, yeah, it's Ronald Reagan, right? And Peter's like, no, it's Humphrey Bogart. And alternate Olivia's like, oh, yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> and just stares off like, "Ooh, great, save me. <laughs> so it's very heavily implied that Ronald Reagan was in Casablanca. Anyway, let's get into the actual story. There's a child kidnapping. Uh, there's a child kidnapping. It's real bad. Uh, and it connects to stuff Burrells was doing. Actually, I, before we get in too far into the Candyman stuff, uh, I should mention, this episode starts with Olivia planning her escape. She goes back to Henry Arliss Higgins, asks for his help, uh, has him get a boat from his cousin to dr- to sail her to Liberty Island... Uh, so, Henry R.S. Higgins is back, and continuing to help Olivia Dunham, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and I love it. I love that guy. Really wish he gets more screen time than he does in this series. Uh, but, of course, those plans are interrupted by the Candyman stuff. Now, we're investigating these kidnappings, and basically, this killer's M.O. is... Every two years, he shows up, he kidnaps a child... They're gone for 48 hours, and then the child is returned, but in a very weakened state, organ tissue is, like, depleted, like, everything's just, uh, everything's just drained, uh, and they basically have had their life cut way, 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 way short, Uh, And basically start limping to the end of what will be their very, 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 very short lives. Uh, Also, uh, this guy secretes sugar in his sweat. Which is, in and of itself, super weird. Uh, But we're investing in these kidnappings. Now, credit to Olivia Dunham. She immediately connects this to a very old friend case that you might remember remember the super fast pregnancy and the giant man baby remember that the guy who was stealing women's pituitary glands to keep himself young because he was like having that rapid aging this is a similar thing he's draining kids pituitary glands and using that to keep himself young uh, one of the victims, actually broyle's son, has said like he saw the victims and there were or, or saw the kidnappers, and there were two one old one young that would kind of fall in line with uh what uh we know about the pituitary gland stuff, and according to Lincoln, draining pituitary glands and like uh putting that like little substance in his system would have the side effect of. Super high blood sugar, enough for it to secrete in his sweat. So, this is all pituitary gland stuff. Again, alternate universe stories. Flashing back to, like, uh, directly referencing to original universe stuff. I I do like that. I do like that the alternate universe is kind of going through the greatest hits of early fringe cases. I do really, really love that. Uh, but Olivia basically walks into Broyles' office and is like, hey, um, so can I re-interview your son? And then Broyles is like, no, you can't. I, I don't want him to remember this. I want him to have what's left of a normal childhood. I refuse to let you uh, say anything to him about it. And then Broyles' wife gets involved and is like, hey, dude. He can handle it. There's another kid out there. Just let let Olivia talk to him. And then Broyles is like, mm, Fine. I'm joking about this, but honestly, this enriches the character of Alternate Broyles so, so much. This is such a great character piece for him. And every time he's talking about his son, or reminiscing about this truly, truly horrible thing that happened to his family, ruminating on this, talking to his wife about it, uh, in the presence of his son, who he has been told he knows is not going to live to his 18th birthday. It's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And credit to Lance Reddick for being able to come off as both a concerned parent and as an unwielding authority figure at the same time. Credit to Lance Reddick for being able to pull those two very different personalities off and have them kind of merge into one. Uh, It really, really speaks to just how awesome he is. And I love that dude in everything he's ever in. But we finally get to talk to Chris Broyles, Broyles' son. And the talk between Olivia and this kid is great. That whole sequence is magnificent and... Easily the best thing about the episode. Uh, Olivia sort of like gently guiding him through like this time in his life. Gently trying to prod at just the right points to get the information she needs. While not completely destroying him. uh, While respecting his emotional vulnerability. Uh, They write this so perfectly. Uh, The kid who plays Broyles' son... I'm going to look this up on IMDb while I am talking, but that kid is so good. That kid is absolutely brilliant and does such a great job. Curtis Harris, he is phenomenal. Uh, by now, I believe he is all grown up. <laughs> it's been 10 years since this episode, so he is, like, I would assume, if not in his early 20s, then certainly his late teens. Uh, but he was great. That kid is really, really fantastic in this episode. Uh, but they talked to Chris Broyles. Olivia's able to get out of him uh, that there was a device on... His neck that was extracting the pituitary glands, uh, which atta- which sort of links to the scars we saw from victims, uh, is able to get out of him that he can identify their voices. Apparently, uh, one of the guys said, or the guy said, if you say anything, I will come back for you, and this time I will hurt your mom and dad. Uh, so this kid's been like holding back at a, Uh, protecting his parents and just put in this even worse, like, just horrible, 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 horrible position. Uh, and apparently this, uh, this guy kept saying this prayer. This very specific prayer. And they're able to link this prayer back to a specific church. Like, a specific church that uses this prayer quite often and they go in they talk to the priest broyles is like hey we need a we need a list of your male churchgoers uh there's a kid who we need to find uh we have a witness that says, like can identify voices and knows about the prayer and all that uh that kid's my son and the priest gives Uh, This list of people in his men's group. And they knock on doors, knock on doors, knock on doors. Eventually they come across this one guy who Olivia's interviewing, Olivia's questioning, and all that. And then she notices a doll. And that's weird because he's just some random guy living alone. And this guy sort of sees that she's noticing that and sort of she sees that she's putting it together. And then the dude, like, starts to run away and Olivia starts chasing him. Uh, She finds his little secret back area where she finds the kid and is able to rescue the kid, uh, is able to kill the guy, is able to kill the kidnapper. Uh, She does say she's with the FBI and not fringe division in this moment. That will be important later. And they seize upon this, and are like, okay, he's making a serum, basically to reverse the aging process, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, okay, case closed. Except when Olivia realizes that this dude could not have possibly done this on his own, and he had to have someone teach him how to do it. And he makes a connection, wait a minute, that priest told us he used to be a doctor before he found god or whatever and she calls broyles and is like hey uh i think uh i i think that priest was involved in the kidnappings i think your son was right there were two men and the other guy was the priest uh i think he's been like dosing his parishioners and that's how he's been healing them uh cuz a lot of his parishioners have been saying like oh he healed my whatever i think that's how he's been feeding them this he's been dosing them with this aging serum and it's like, oh crap, I told I told the priest that Chris could identify the voices, and now my wife's not answering the phone. And they rush over to the house. There's this amazing and very tense scene where the priest is uh going into the house and stalking uh Chris. He's like hiding in this little uh this little cabinet, this little cupboard, and trying to hide and the dude finds him and captures him and is taking him away. Broyles shows up at the last minute and saves him. Takes out the guy. So this is done for Z's. This is done for real this time. And we get a nice moment when Olivia goes to the hospital with the Broyleses. Makes sure the Broyleses are alright. They're all good. Talks to the victim. She's saved. And the, dude, and the kid's like, What's the FBI? And Olivia's like, oh, well, FBI is just another word for police. And the kid's like, oh, that's nice. And Broyles sort of sees this interaction and talks to Olivia and is like, hey, um, FBI ceased to exist a decade ago on this side. You know who you are, don't you? And Olivia's like, okay, well, what happens now? And Broils is like, well, now I go home. <laughs> like, Broyles is in debt enough to Olivia for helping bring this kidnapper to justice, bring the man who kidnapped his son to justice. And he decides, you know what? This other Olivia's cool. This other Olivia's all good. She helped me. She brought this kidnapper to justice. She helped save my family. Uh, The serum that she found, the doctors think can help uh, the victims, including Christopher. So she may have saved his life in the long run. I'm gonna let this go. I'm gonna let this go and let her run amok and uh, let her continue being. And so Olivia goes, and the escape attempt begins. Olivia gets on the boat with Henry Arliss Higgins. Uh, Henry sails her to Liberty Island, uh, using Olivia's little uh, memorizing of the security routes to get around any, any deal, any resistance. And as Olivia's about to get off the boat, Henry asks, like, okay, look. You've been talking about going home. You've been talking about going home. You can talk about going home. Uh, If this is goodbye, if we're truly done now, can you just tell me where you're from? And Olivia's like, I'm from a parallel universe. Bye. And then leaves. (laughs) Leaving Henry Arnold Siggins to just be like, what? (laughs) The look of shock on this man's face. At hearing the words, I'm from a parallel universe, is just like, his mind's blown. His mind is blown. And then, she goes over to Liberty Island, breaks in, gets in the tank, and crosses over. Temporarily. Until eventually getting pulled back. And she finds a janitor in this time, and it's like, hey, okay, listen, this is gonna sound insane, but you have to do something for me. And then the next we see her, she's being pulled out of the tank by Walternate's goons, and Walternet has her captured again. So she is right back where she started. Or is she? Because then we get this ending. Where Peter and Alternate Olivia are real cozy, in bed, going to sleep. And then Peter answers the phone and is like, hey, uh, who is this? And the janitor is like, hey, uh, is this Peter? Uh, I'm calling from New York. Uh, This woman came and I just saw her disappear in front of my eyes. Uh, She said to call you. Uh, She said her name's Olivia and she's trapped in the other universe. And then Peter has this, like, moment of just like, sorry, what? And that's the end of the episode. So, um, Jig is up. Jig is, in fact, up. Yeah! Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I hate that this is the end of the week. I hate that I have to wait an entire weekend to talk about the next episode, (laughs) because, oh, boy. Man is, uh... Is that going to be something? Man, is that going to be great? (laughs) That is going to be... That, that, that climax of this arc is going to be something special. I can't wait to dive into it. Anyway, uh, solid episode all around. If you like this, favorite podcast, anchor.fm slash Archives, so you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, tomtom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark. Pledge a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month, or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 8. Talk to you then.